0: One of the first uh, acts of the U.N. after the Agenda 21, of course, was the Wildlands Project Treaty, which was presented to the U.S. Congress for ratification. Many of us are familiar with that map uh, in which it shows that humans are allowed to live in only small little areas of the United States, and most of the United States is non-human zones. In actuality, if you look at the Wildlands Treaty map, where we live here in Cherokee County and and uh, Graham Clay and the North Georgia counties, we are all living in what the U.N. considers non-human zones. That treaty came close to actually being adopted by the Senate, except that Kay Bailey Hutchinson came before the Senate with a large picture of that Wildlands Treaty map and says, before you vote, this is, this is what you're voting to approve. And fortunately for us, that treaty was not approved by the Senate. But this is what it's really all about, is to herd uh, human beings into small, controlled cities and prevent them from living anywhere else. The obvious benefit for that is if you have human beings in small localized areas and you've already taken away their guns, you then provide them with every single thing that they need to live. You provide them with food, with clothing, with shelter, with transportation, uh, with absolutely everything they need to live. You take away their automobiles because in a small city there's only public transportation. And therefore, what is it easy to do? It's easy to control large populations because if they do not comply, you shut off the supply of electricity or water or food. And this is when we come back, back again full circle to the Hunger Games because that was the exact, the exact model of life in the United States in the Hunger Games. You had the 12 regions, and you were only allowed in those regions. The regions were fenced with an electric fence. The, all of the vast wild areas in between those regions were for non-humans. You could not go there. And, of course, everyone was. Uh, everything that happened in each region was controlled by the government, the central government. So if you want to get a good picture, Watch the Hunger Games. That is what the UN wants for us. Not, not some mythical country over in who knows where. People, you need to wake up. This is what the UN, the oligarchs, the one-world governments, the elitists, the one-world elitists, the oligarchs, what they want. They want that kind of a system where we are all basically imprisoned. We have no rights, we are not free, and the tyrannical central government, run by the high and mighty, the wealthy oligarchs, run everything. We are talking with Kim Fletcher, and uh, I'm going to remind you that if you missed it, Kim Fletcher spoke at the Towns Union Tea Party meeting on June the 26th at the Butternut Creek Golf Course Community Room, at 7 p.m. But this is, if you're hearing this after that date, uh, you'll have to get it on podcast from us. But we are discussing with Kim Flutter how the U.N., through its various tentacles and agencies, foundations, how the high and mighty oligarchs, the wealthy elite of Earth, have a plan to imprison all of us and control the earth. What else do you have to tell us, Kim?
1: Well, in in going through a a timeline, if you will, um, from 1945 when the UN started and then 72 we talked about being about the environment and 92 was about the environment. But let's go back to 1968 because as you know, before you have something concrete, you have to have had a plan prior to that, and I think it's important. You know, when we look at a treaty, we can go back before that treaty existed and begin to see. Oh, they created this act the year before. They created this policy, and you begin you begin to see how things were stair steps. So I want to go back before 1992, before 1972. In, into 1968, which was the ECOSOC conference. Now, ECOSOC stands for Economic and Social Council, which, again, is one of the six main arms of the UN. But there were 26 principles that came out of that document. And as I read just a few of them, out of the 26, I want you to start to think about some of the dots that are connecting with the 1992 treaty and the 2012 treaty because the 2012 treaty we're really going to get into because they changed that from the environmental perspective to going after our food, fiber, and energy. This is vital, especially to farmers. And so we'll really heavily focus on that later. But In 1968, these 26 principles, one of them is human rights must be asserted, apartheid, and colonialism condemned. Number two, natural resources must be safeguarded. Remember the Hegelian dialectic? I'm going to make you think that I'm doing this to preserve things, but it's really working an evil plan. And they are using for those natural resources to be safeguarded, They're using treaties, regulations, zoning. And by the way, your county commissioners do not like to use the word zoning. They like to use land use. Okay, Um, Economic development. Endangered Species Act. Now, we're talking about natural resources being safeguarded here and the means they're doing it under. Endangered Species Act we talked about. The Antiquities Act, the Wildlands Project, Wetlands, Heritage Sites, Eminent domain, conservation easements, and private land trust, and much more. Okay, another principle from that ECOSOC conference the Earth's capacity to produce renewable resources must be maintained. Now, I'm going to ask you, for who? For them or for you? I have a friend who was going to Kentucky on a mission trip about three years ago. She called me and said, Kim, the coal is not being used in America. It's being shipped to China. Now, is our news telling us these things? And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
0: Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man, I get joy in everything. Everything, everything, everything gonna be...
1: Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission To explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction.
0: Let the battle begin. My guest is Kim Fletter. So Kim Fletter... What else can we discuss when it comes to what the United Nations and what how is their push for global governance uh, continuing to work in today's world?
1: Well, let's start with um, – let, let me digress just for a minute because this is a really important component, especially with what's happening um, with the infiltration and mass migration, depopulation, re, uh, population redistribution. Um, getting back to the 1945 charter, a lot of folks need to know that, uh, the OIC, which is the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, is one of the, has the biggest voting block, 57 Muslim-majority countries worldwide. And they have the largest voting block at the UN. So, um i want I want to start there just for a minute because we have a a real situation on our hand hands with the infiltration of of Islam and Muslims and camps. You know, Martin Moyer came out on Fox News not long after Obama got in, and he showed I believe there were thirty five camps across our nation. We have two that I know of in Georgia, and I have talked to the local police and i know the fbi has visited the adjoining property owners and basically told them to let them know if there is anything going on but otherwise they pretty much are kind of like a off limits area and when you think about the loss of our sovereignty that that speaks volumes you know, how would you feel if you were the homeowner that was adjacent to this property? I did some research on one of the camps, and I um, I know who owns it. I know how long they've owned it, and I know some of the things that have gone on inside the camp. And I asked a former CIA agent. Um, actually, he, is, he um, is has come out publicly. His name is Kevin Shipp, and he's got a, a several books, but uh, I encourage... Your listeners to get his book research his name because he has has uh, done a lot of public speaking about this and I happened to talk to him this past February and asked him about this particular camp because I had heard that it was originally created for CIA training but is now been turned over to the Muslim population so um, it is real it is here, and we need to be on guard, because that takes me to the United connects me to the United Nations as far as population redistribution. When you go back through their documents, that is their goal. You remember, if you want to destroy a country, you have to level the playing field. And the mass migrations that are taking place around the world are are planned. They're right in their documents.
0: Well, as you know, what's going on in Europe with Muslim infiltration, Muslim immigration and infiltration in Europe has created areas of major cities that are no-go zones for Westerners. Uh, And they are basically areas that are controlled by the Muslim groups there. Uh, They are under Sharia law. And... It is not. It is a hostile area for non-Muslims, That's and we right. have several of those areas in our country as well. Do we not? And our
1: news media is keeping every bit of this from us. You know, uh, if you really want to research and start seeing killings and different, you know, things that are going on across our nation, uh, Martin Moyer is, is the only one that I knew of back in I think it was oh nine or ten that came out, and you could you can. Research um, his website and and actually see quips of videos where he he sent undercover agents inside some of these camps. But you know when you when you research getting back to the UN and you connect those dots of of population redistribution, you know it reminds me of the Hegelian dialectic because you create the problem and now you've got to come in and and fix the problem. So you've got to take care of all these refugees. Well, you know, a lot of folks don't know this, but on our line item on our Georgia budget, I think it's it used to be around line item 2,500, um, funded refugee resettlement. And Clarkston, Georgia, as most people probably know, especially those that live in that area, Clarkston, Georgia, is our hub, one of our hubs. And the landscape is actually changing. And they have created ministries to go into churches and deceive. And there's one called Piece of Thread. And that organization actually wants you to help fund the refugees. And so you come into the church and you offer the program. And your women get involved because they want to help the refugees. And they create, they, they sew purses or whatever, you know, whatever else. And they ally, they can actually go down to Clarkston and show, uh, sew the purses with these women. But they're coming into your church house and wanting to get you involved in ministry. And so these are deceptive things that we need to be aware of because the church doesn't have discernment anymore.
0: So 1992, the beginning of the formal program of Agenda 21, What did that mean for world governance? Why is that such an important onset for the U.N. program? Well, in
1: 1992, you know, it started in 72. They have conferences every 20 years, but they have many in between. But those are the big where they're going to implement policy through the members, all of the signatory members. And so in 1992, they came up with five major documents. And we all know Agenda 21. And that, um, that Agenda 21, a lot of folks don't realize, is for the whole 21st century. Their goal is just like Islam. It's a very slow process. And they're willing to wait for it. And so you have your two tentacles of infiltration in communism. You have your revolutionary side and then you have your incremental side. And regarding that, Agenda 21 was considered a conspiracy theory. And they're working that plan. Anytime you use that term, uh, it's so frequent that you're called a conspiracy theorist. So I, ac- I researched, I actually looked up what is a conspiracy theorist. And it says it's a has four characteristic features. Number one, groups, not isolated individuals. Number two, illegal or sinister aims. Three, orchestrated acts. And four, secret planning, not public discussion. So I had to come to the conclusion that I am not a conspiracy theorist, that I am exposing a conspiracy. Now, let me quote you the Italian Communist Party, Antonio Gramsci. He said, Communism is not an ideology in which one believes. Rather, it is a criminal conspiracy in which one enlists. So getting back to the UN and the five documents that came out of that, we are exposing the conspiracy because it is being foiled on not just the United States, but on the entire world. And out of that uh, Agenda 21 document, or those other uh, treaties, excuse me, decertification. There's a few others. And let me just focus on Agenda 21 because that agenda is propelling everything that you hear in the 45 and the 1968 document. And it is basically pushing people out of the rural areas and pushing them into the smart cities that they're incrementally building. And you can research the man and biosphere program, biosphere reserves are basically three, have three concentric circles. And within those circles, the innermost circle is where the smart city and the people will live. The middle ring or circle is where government is allowed to go. And then the outer circle is less limited human footprint. Now, outside of that biosphere reserve is everything God created. And you are off, it is off limits to you because they want a zero footprint. So you are impacting nature by stepping on it. So what do you have to do to get humans off of nature? And by the way, they refer to us as humans in all of their documents, which I found interesting. So you have to get man outside of the, from the rural areas to come into the cities. Now, Tiny House Nation was one of their schemes to use. Sounds like a great thing. I, I'm all in, you know. I want to I wanna live in a small house the older I get and get rid of some of the things that I've accumulated in life. But again, I, I want to go back to who created it. We always have to remember where is this coming from? You know, freedom is God-given, and nobody should take that away. And when you begin to read the Acts and the, you know, like the Endangered Species Act, which has a red list on it, so you now have created a means to get me off of my property because you can say, well, there's a spotted owl on your five of your 20 acres, so we need to take that property. Or maybe you have a wetland. You know, we'll talk about that later with the wetlands, the wildlands, um, the Endangered Species Act. Private land trust is another means they use to get us off, off of our property, eminent domain. So this is a behemoth. And unless this scheme is uncovered and people start pointing the finger at what is taking place, then it's going to continue incrementally taking our property rights. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We'll be right back after this quick break.